This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Real Blend, a podcast that saw a Transformers trailer this week and actually kind of liked it. No. So more on <laughs> that. More on don't, that in a don't second. Don't speak on behalf of all of us. Well, he, uh, coming on the heels of you guys saying that the first Transformers movie made your top ten. The first the Transformers movie out. is awesome. Uh, awesome, sir. I don't. I don't know. I, I will forever it's, remember seeing the Transformer transform the first time and thinking, "Oh my god, I've never seen anything like that before." The first Transformers movie is easily a top ten film of the year. That was a great movie, and we discussed this last week on the show. We did that. There's nothing wrong. With a good action movie that blends right. comedy and action. And, that, and if and there's they, anything producer Gabe love, it's rehashing what we talked about weeks well, before. <laughs> Jake, Jake is right, though, about the idea of seeing those Transformers transform for the first time, which is a little bit why the Bumblebee trailer, while, while I like it, we'll get to it. Yes. Um, we've seen it before. We will get to it. My name is Sean O'Connell. Um, I am the managing director here at Cinema, Cinema Blend, and this is episode number 39 of Real Blend, wow. a, a podcast... Wow. That some of you guys watch on Facebook Live. So if you happen to be doing that right now, hello. The rest of you guys listen to us on iTunes and Spotify and Google Play and the various podcast portals and so on and so on. And by us, I mean the voices that you've already heard because they jumped the gun. Jake (laughs) Hamilton of Fox 32 in Chicago, back in the country and looking better than ever. Hello, sir. Hey, thanks. It's makeup from the show that I just got off of. Don't be impressed. Earlier. And Kevin McCarthy is sporting all of his Deadpool gear. Kevin is of... Fox 5 in Washington, D.C. Kevin, how are you, sir? Yeah, I actually am wearing Deadpool stuff. You have a lot other, of Deadpool stuff. Yeah, I, I took a picture on or Instagram the other night. I, it wasn't intentional. I just realized that I had Deadpool socks, sweatpants, and a sweatshirt on. Also, not a bit. When Kevin goes to weddings, he wears Deadpool ties and sometimes tie bars, which I love. That's just great. I yeah. love that you do that. Well, Deadpool tie bar, Deadpool tie, and then the Heisenberg tie bar. Right. Um, which is, that's like my go-to. Yeah, that's pretty excellent. So if you're on iTunes or Spotify and all those different places, we always encourage you guys, of course, to leave us a star rating and a review. And we have said that we will read new reviews at the top of the show. And I have to tell you, I've said this before too, um, and I mean it even more so. Now, these reviews that we got this week are truly, truly incredible. Um, one of them we were sharing with each other in the text chain because it really just got to the heart of what we want this show to be. I'm going to start with... Um, Kimberly, real fan, who I believe is the one who did our chart of all of our name drops from our epic uh, TIFF show that we did, the two-hour TIFF show. So she writes a review that says, real friends, see what I did there, Uh. you you know (laughs) when you see a great movie with friends and the best part is getting to talk about it after and share a love of film? Well, that's what this podcast is. Three true friends with different perspectives and opinions who just love film. Every argument and joke is made out of a passion for good movies and how they affect our lives. Thought-provoking, hilarious, informative, and interactive. I also love the blend game and learning of movies I didn't know before. Blend on and Dunkirk, she says. Love it. Mm, I like blend on. Yeah. I I like like Dunkirk. Also. Um, Gabe didn't put one of these reviews in here, too, but we got three this week. And one that we're not reading, apparently because uh, Gabe controls the show, um, is a guy who gave us five stars, but then talked about, like, 
you guys go off on these tangents all the time. And sometimes I just need to like, can you guys just like stop broing out and being friends and no. get back to the topic? Yeah. And Gabe literally said, there's a million shows you can listen to where people yeah. get right to the point and they do movie news the way that you want to hear movie news. But- Our show is meant to be three <laughs> dudes or three people going to have yes. women or men sure. talking about movies the way they would talk about it the thing is we don't want to sound like we're trying to do a podcast we want to sound like we're just trying to talk to each other correct it's really the point of a zoo and a safari do you want to go see animals in a replicated jungle-like experience or do you want to step foot in the freaking jungle and see how these animals live that is what we do do you want to see a replicated simulated movie conversation that follows a beat-by-beat path or do you want to step into the jungle and see three wild animals scratch each other's faces off while we discuss films that's it's a really, that really far. violent description <laughs> of our podcast. But here, here's the thing: like, this was obviously an unprovoked conversation. You sound like you had that prepared. No, that's that's that, that's no, that's from that's the heart. How I picture it, man. From the heart. I like that. Well, and but on top of it, we do appreciate the fact that this this guy who wrote this review a took the time to write, write the yes, review, which I think you. is fantastic. Thank you. And thank you. We will actually gave. Make sure we read that next week. But gave us five welcome stars. to the jungle, sir. Gave us. Well, <laughs> Stars. Speaking You're of that guy's die. review, I, I am going to go ahead and uh, take the wheel here, and uh, I do want to mention uh, on the uh, on the path of our show that I think Better Call Saul is a show that everybody should watch. Uh, listen, just just to keep things in line with our show today, uh, and and not throw Gabe off. Here's but what annoys watch- me so much: so we cut, just roll down Gabe's face. <laughs> we cut the cord, right? We cut the cable cord finally, and I got Hulu plus live TV, and so far everything has been great. Haven't missed a single thing. Except Dude. they don't have AMC, so I don't have the new season of Better Call Saul. And it's Gabe, a, it, if you'll if you'll give me one minute, I do want to say this because I just started rewatching Better Call Saul. So I, I uh, Jake knows this. I texted him today. Anybody out there watching or listening to our show knows that Breaking Bad is my favorite show of all time. But Better Call Saul is in season four. Uh, I watched season one, liked it. Watched season two, really liked it. Stopped watching it. My dad, who's a big Breaking Bad fan, continued watching it. Texted me a couple weeks ago and said, Kevin, I just finished season three, and this is as good as Breaking Bad, if not it better is. at times. Yep, it is. So, different. It's different. It, it, but, but it enhances Breaking Bad. So if you're a Breaking Bad fan, all I will say is continue watching. Because Jake, who's on our show right now, has tried three times to watch Better Call Saul Hi, and has not gotten through it. So anybody out there, just, there's just give almost, it a There's also just so much more. Here's the deal is I have – an issue with shows that people go like, you've got to watch X number of seasons. And then it starts getting real by season 12. It gets right. good. Like, <laughs> can't I just watch a show that's good from the beginning? Like, Lost? Jake, you're, you're, you're speaking of the opposite with walking dead, right? So walking dead, you, and you I got gave up five on seasons dead. in and then you gave up on it. So why don't All you right. go the reverse on this one? Speaking of it. lost, our second review comes. Yes. From, <laughs> Come on, Kalina from Kalina, who is, Clearly one of our most vocal cheerleaders of this show and has been with us from episode number one. And but now just finally takes the time to write a review. I'm not sure what took her quite as long. Well, right? dude, wait, honestly, wait, stop. Do you know what took her so long? No, I don't know. What she just long. watched Lost start to finish. Oh, I know. Yeah, she really was going and, and documented binge. the many, many tears that she shed right. as a result of the greatest show of all time. Continue. She starts this review um, by calling it a master class in the art of the podcast. Have you guys? Wow. You guys well, you guys read this review. I texted it. We to did. You guys. Yeah. You read yeah. it. Yes. Uh, let's see. I found Jake's YouTube channel around 2000. This is her review. Around 2010. I found Jake way before 2010. Uh, while looking up Thanks. film junket interviews, 
I was delighted by Jake's presence as a genuine fan who was visibly passionate in every interview he did, and I loved the thoughtful and interesting questions that he asked. Following him on Twitter led me to Kevin's channel, who had equally admirable and compelling interviews. I want to just stop the review for a second and point out that I was so moved by this review in general that I was showing my my kids this, right? And at that point of the review, my teenage son turned to me and he said, oh, sick burn shouldn't mention you at all. (laughs) (laughs) But by mentioning the show, she's kind of mentioning me. He was like, nah, she just mentioned the other two guys. Um, Jake tweeted about the Awards Blend podcast, and I was hooked after just one episode. What stands out about this podcast for me are two things, firm beliefs and brotherly love. While there are plenty of times that the guys agree with each other, there are plenty of more times that they don't agree with each other, and that provides the kind of content you can just sink your teeth into. They get loud and excited while defending their sides. One of them threatens to quit at least once per show, but I'll be damned if these guys don't love and respect each other. This is what got me. It's a type of banter that I wish would move over into our society. Disagreeing in a healthy, productive, and informative way. These guys are always learning something about themselves and each other, During each episode, Real Blend is a playground for movie fans, and it's the thing I look forward to most each week. They take the idea of water cooler talk and elevate it to an intimate dinner conversation. Can't recommend this more. And then an extremely loud Dunkirk, she screamed. (laughs) Every review needs to end that way. I'm just making it makes me really happy. Most do. 90% of them do. Yeah. And I I think. the only person who threatens to quit every week is Jake. I mean, that, that's that, that's not, with neither, good reason. I have never threatened to quit this show <laughs> because you're normally the reason that makes me want to quit. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> so let's dive into episode. At first up, Kalina, just, that was amazing. Wait, hearing that story, like it pictures me that like like the three of us are like the opening credits of Friends, but there there aren't three girls there. It's just us sitting around the water fountain, like shoving each other in the water, like you, no you. Uh, Jay, uh, Gabe just sent me a text and said he wants me to talk for five more minutes about better. Call Saul. Are you guys cool with that? That's a good idea. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> this week we are diving in. So uh, we brought up this movie a couple of different times and I want to bring it back around to it because every time we bring it up, we're always like, what is this thing? And now more um, images have come out of Todd Phillips's Joker movie. Um, yep. We have a we have a clean look at Joaquin Phoenix in the clown makeup. We're starting to see some uh, set photos and videos of him uh, in the makeup. I want to get your reaction to what you guys think. He looks like, and also what, what is this movie? Like, I don't understand how it, it, I know it doesn't fit into the DC continuity, but like, is this like a Gotham type thing where Bruce Wayne is a kid? Uh, what is happening here? Before we answer that question, did sure. I just read an article about the Harley Quinn Joker movie that's going to deal with Dr. Phil? Or is that a joke? No, that's a real thing. The screenwriters cool. were talking about doing a Harley Quinn and Joker movie with Leto's Joker. Okay. That they're calling a mix of Bad Santa and the TV show This Is Us. But why is Dr. Phil involved? Because in the opening of the movie, from what they say, now who knows if this actually happens, but in the opening of the script that they've written, those two characters are going to kidnap Dr. Phil. What? Because, because they're not having, heard this. Yeah, they're yeah. having relationship issues, Harley and Joker are, and they wow. kidnap Dr. Phil, and the screenwriters want Dr. Phil to play himself. The, the, this sounds oh. like a, this, this has got to be a joke, right? And the only reason I brought this up and to keep it in the show is I don't want Gabe to get mad, but you mentioned you mentioned um, we worked to, Todd Phillips' Joker, so we're yeah. in the DC universe. But we are. I just I just read that article as I was walking downstairs to my basement to plug in for our show, and I thought it was a joke, and that's that's a that's a real thing. 
So I was just that is a real thing. So what, do you, what, what did you think of Joaquin? Now that we've seen an official the Incredible. reveal on Instagram, I'm I'm super excited about. It. Listen, I think Todd Phillips, Todd Phillips to me is uh, I love Todd Phillips because I I love that he brought great cinematography to comedy. And I, and I I mentioned The Hangover specifically because of the way that movie was shot and the way it looked. And he produced The Star is Born. Uh, I think the guy has an eye for great you know talent in regards to... I'm not, I'm not saying this guy is like great director status like Scorsese or Nolan or Tarantino level, but I think the guy has a good eye for filmmaking. Um, and just based on Joaquin Phoenix alone uh, playing the character, I think he's one of the greatest of our generation and of all time, actor-wise. Uh, I have a... Hard time believing that this is going to be problematic. Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, the the makeup wasn't what I was expecting. Um, it, it's a hell of a lot better than disturbed tattooed across his forehead. Leto, style. I love Jared Leto as Joker. Uh, by the way, I, yeah. that was not that was not Leto's fault. That was that was David Ayer and mm. and whatever happened within this whatever happened within that situation. I have no idea. Do you know David Ayer is like on Twitter right now, like explaining things that went wrong in Suicide Squad? Yes, he and is. it's starting it, to. You're hearing like how much stuff is out of his hands. Like someone actually said he explained that the his Joker, the Jared Leto Joker in Suicide Squad had a grill teeth yep. because Batman knocked his teeth out when he killed Jason Todd, which is the right. Robin in yeah. that's in the Robin suit in, in Don. So Justice. was that, was that filmed? It happened um, afterwards, right? Didn't it? Wasn't that added in? Theoretically, it should have happened afterwards, but then when they showed Harley's bio on the screen, I know way too much about Suicide Squad. That's disturbing. That it says she's time. an accomplice in the death of Jason Todd. So someone on Twitter said to David Ayer, well, how can it have happened after it doesn't fit on the timeline? If, if And he said literally, he actually just answered. He said that was like retconned after I filmed my movie. Well, like, one of the, the, one of the things that I'm, it. I'm learning from the, the David Ayer tweets is a lot of these, a lot of filmmakers don't have final cut. Right. Uh, and that, and that to me is very scary. Like, I, I mean, unless you're Spielberg, Swazesi, Tarantino, uh, you're not no getting one. final cut. But you know who's actually getting Final Cut, which I think is interesting, is Drew Goddard's uh, Bad Times of the El Royale because he went to the studio and said, this is what I want to do. If you mm. don't want it this way, I, you know, we don't have to do this. But, but David Ayer's tweets in regards to uh, Suicide Squad are very telling of a director's vision being, um, being distorted through a system by a bunch of different people. And I don't know who, to, who there is to blame there, but going back to your question about Todd Phillips and Joker um, – yeah, I mean, the footage I've seen so far, that is awesome. I'm very intrigued by it. And I don't think I was that intrigued by it until I saw that t- that camera test. And I oh. think Todd Phillips is handling social media beautifully with this stuff. I have a really quick question. If this movie has no Batman at all, are you guys okay with that? I don't I don't need Batman in the movie. Is he even in the film? Nobody knows. I don't I don't I don't know if I agree with that. And I say that in the sense that like how can you have one without the other? The reason the Joker is so fascinating is because, to me, he is such an amazing foil for Batman, which goes back to when we did this podcast in Paris and they start to, when they started talking about this movie, my whole argument was what made the Joker so great is that you didn't really know who he was or where he came from, and then also he was a great foil to Batman. You're flipping the two things that make him good. You're now giving me a backstory to him. And you're taking away the man in which he is an amazing foil for. So as like I look at the picture of Joaquin and I go, yeah, like cool. That that's cool. That's a, like if I saw someone dressed like that for Halloween, I'd be like, hey, that's a cool. That's a cool. But I just I still have not gotten over the hurdle of wanting this movie to exist, and that's yeah, yeah. what keeps me from getting excited about it. But I but I think that 
it's fascinating to think about what the Joker is without Batman. I, I, I totally understand what you're saying. I mean, listen, Dark Knight, the Joker works because of the relationship he has with Batman and obviously Ledger's performance. I think Joaquin is a strong enough actor to play with material that might not necessarily include Batman. And I, I don't, I, first of all, who's going to be but, Batman? But it amazes me that you say that, but then you hate the Han Solo name scene. Like, like oh, this God. whole movie, this whole <laughs> movie is one giant Han Solo name scene. No, 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 Now, if there's a scene- Well, it might the, be. It might if, be. If, if there's a scene be. in this film where, like, he makes a joke and someone says, you're a real joker, and that becomes the joke of the movie, then, yeah, that that is bad. Dude, you right? know, like, did you ever watch Gotham? Like, that was kind of the first season of Gotham. Ooh, I think at yeah, one yeah. point they told Edward Nigma like, stop being such a Riddler. Like, it was crazy. No. That kind of, uh, it was, that's why I stopped watching it. Solo was intriguing to me for many reasons with with Miller and Lord uh, on it. But that's, yeah, yeah, stop. That movie is not good. Um, but <laughs> the thing about the Joker thing element is different than the name thing in Solo. The Solo thing was because they some guy gave him his last name because he was by himself. That was ridiculously if, stupid. If, if, well, here are the names I have for you based on how If you're, you're listening to this later, Jake is hugging his Solo steelbook right now. You can't see it if you're listening to it. I actually don't even hate Solo. I, no, I, it's fine. Well, Solo hates it's you, Kevin. <laughs> okay, no, I, no, I don't hate Solo. Ga- wait, 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 wait. So where are we at on this? Well, we're at we're at in the sense that every time a new piece of information drops on this, I become more and more intrigued. That's where I'm at with it. I can't wait to see what they do. Um, same thing with Bumblebee. So I got to talk about Bumblebee. Yeah. In the show notes, Gabe has crossed yeah. Bumblebee off the list of things that we're supposed to talk about now. Uh, you guys don't so open. Red. You guys don't open the show notes, but it's been crossed off. But we mentioned in the intro, so let's briefly talk Bumblebee uh, and just say that I think it looks great. I think it looks. It's the first. Great. You think it looks movie. great? Yes, I'm really intrigued by what they're doing with it. It feels what are like they doing the. With it? What are they doing that's different than the 18 other stupid Transformers movies that we've gotten? Aside from it's the first. a, it's on a smaller scale. And that alone has me intrigued in the fact that, like, especially the last one, which I don't even remember what the name of it was, um, had way too much going on. The last night? The last night? Something about night. Can't even remember. Can't even remember. Which is kind of funny because the director of this movie is Stephen Knight, and it's spelt the same way as the Uh, title of the last Transformers movie. Very true. Here's the thing. Um, I'll I'll say that. I think the trailer is fine. I think it, it was it was a lot better than the first one because the first one looked like Herbie Fully Loaded, and then the the new one. How dare I, you, sir? How dare you does. insult the name of Herbie Fully Loaded? <laughs> it did look like that. Who do you think you are? You're not, you're not better um, than Herbie Fully Loaded. I'm not better than Herbie Fully Loaded, but the, the trailer looked like it. Um, yeah, I, I think the new trailer is fine. It looks cool. I mean, like I, I, I will see it. I'm actually a Transformers one and three fan. I thought three was awesome. Um, two, four, and five are absolutely dreadful pieces of cinema but that being said the new one the new trailer looks intriguing interesting the visual effects are unbelievable obviously it does nothing for me it does nothing in fact here's what i'll say paramount has a great history of making great trailers out of crap transformers movies so the fact that i don't think this is even a great trailer it just does like okay it's a smaller scale trans it's still a freaking like by the end of the movie they're all they're on the other transformers planet and like it's showing a war on it like they can't be you can't say small scale and then a battle on another transformers planet in the same sentence the two just oh. don't go hand in hand 
I wouldn't call it great, but Sean, I think you and I are a little bit on the same playing field. What what what's up with the um the sound wave element? That that that's a big that was a big moment. Well, for that's these tr- these new characters. N- not that they're new. These other characters that we haven't yet seen in this world, and the way that they're being used um, suggests that it's getting a little bit closer to sort of the animated show that was in the eighties and nineties, and and just telling. I don't want to say. Listen, I I almost said character driven stories in the Transformers Watch franchise, it. and Watch I checked it. myself. But by 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 letting it be just. Bumblebee and her and him interacting with Haley Steinfeld and then having like two villains that they have to deal with instead of this global crisis where you have 75 Transformers punching each other um, has me more intrigued about what they could potentially do. I feel so negative about everything. I don't mean to be like the negative Nelly of episode 39. I feel like I'm like against everything today. That's okay. We'll find something that you like. You make a joke about character character driven Sean, but Michael Bay has made some great movies with character-driven elements to it. I mean, anybody can make fun of him if they want, but Rock and Armageddon and Bad Boys 1 and 2, and his new one looks, um, like, sounds awesome. Six Underground, the Netflix movie he's doing, which, you saw the joke that Ryan Reynolds did on Twitter, right, where he, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was really, that was my favorite video I've seen in years uh, when he was standing there, and the, did you see it, Jake? Uh, no, I don't think so. So Jake Ryan Reynolds. busy in France. Ryan Reynolds is in, uh, in, was actually in like Florence, Italy shooting yes. six underground and it's a video of him talking on camera about uh how he loves michael bay as a director because he's a great storyteller and all and the quiet moments and the and the filmmaking element all of a sudden a huge explosion goes off behind him it's really That's funny, funny. That's funny. you should watch it yeah um i got into a twitter conversation with doug richardson who apparently is a screenwriter of the first bad boys yes um, and awesome. Yeah, and he, because uh, I mentioned that it's one of my favorite movies. I love the first, but Kevin, I'm more of a Bad Boys one guy than two. I'm a I know two guy. Disagree I'm a two guy. On that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Clearly, bad I'm the outlier every single time. Destroys and Bad Boys one. The scene that's one of my favorites in part one, uh, in the first one, is the fight at Club Hell, where Martin Lawrence fights the guy in the bathroom. I just think it's a really great sequence. And he gets the bag put over his head, and he has to fight that guy. And so the one time that I got a chance to interview Bay, I told him that that scene was my first, was my favorite thing that he's ever done. I'm like, oh, I love the first Bad Boys at Fight in Club Hell. It's like my favorite thing you've ever done. And Bay looked at me like I had seven heads. He was like, really? What? Like that's, that scene is your favorite thing? So this guy, Doug Richardson, says to me that that's the first thing that they shot on that movie um, in general, because they were supposed to shoot an outdoor scene and then it rained in South Florida. So they had to shoot the Club Hell scene like that night. So he literally wrote it like in the moment. So, and Bay, like he shot it on, a, he wrote it on a Monday and Bay shot it on like Wednesday and Thursday. Wow. And so here I'm turning around saying to Bay, who has all these movies, like everything hey, else you've heard you've done your entire life done. sucks compared to this <laughs> right. random. And to get the backstory, he shot it like two days after they wow. wrote it. To be I fair, Bay it. is not an easy interview anyway. I don't, I don't think Kevin oh. would probably agree with it. He's not a warm and fuzzy kind of guy. I remember 100%. Jake, Jake and I were in Russia for um, Transformers 3 and it was the sickest most craziest thing you'll ever see in your life junket wise like we went to this red carpet and then we went to a lincoln park concert on red square and michael bay walks up he's hanging out near us and the (laughs) only thing i wanted to do was nerd out about my favorite michael bay shot which is kind of what you did with him about bad boys one my my shot that i mentioned to him was the bad boys two shot the circular camera that goes around the shootout with michael uh with uh Will Smith, Will Smith and Martin Lawrence yeah. as they're having that shootout and the and the cameras 360 through the glass doors and back around and 
I eventually got to interview him years later for 13 hours, and like he broke down that whole scene for me. But that was that was my like Michael Bay nerd out because that's one of my favorite action scenes mm-hmm. ever. Meanwhile, Lincoln Park is playing on Red Square in the background, mm-hmm. and I'm nerding out about filmmaking yes. <laughs> while like, while Chester and and Mike are doing their thing. It was awesome. My my Michael Bay geek out is I. I was so excited about this question. It was for the fifth Transformers movie, and, and I wanted to ask him, you know, you've done some sequels, but a lot of movies you haven't done sequels to. What is the character that you'd really just like to know? Maybe not do a sequel, but I'd like to know where they are right now. Of all the, all the, great, the great films that you've done, and his answer was, I'll never forget this, I don't know. Next question. <laughs> That's amazing. So that was fun. Do you want to know why? Because Bay doesn't pay attention to characters. And I don't mean that as a slight against him he at all. Does. I just don't think he cares about characters. I've made this argument that in his Transformers movies, I don't think he knows who the Transformers are. I think he just knows have the red one punch the green one in this scene. And he doesn't really care. He doesn't have necessarily you, know. Have like, you that's seen why, The that's Rock? Why, that's why Mark Wahlberg is named Cade Yeager. Like no one else would be named Cade Yeager in a movie. Like he just he doesn't s- care. Have you seen the, the Rock? The Rock was a long time ago. It was it's forever a great ago. Great I think at Armageddon he stopped caring. I love about Armageddon. I no, love. So I, Armageddon. I think with Armageddon that was the last one where he actually gave. it I up. think he cared about the island, and it burned him. Right? <laughs> yeah. Which it backfired. That be a lesson for you. Yeah, it I, backfired. I cry um, at the end of Armageddon when Bruce Willis dies. I'm sorry. I do. It's it, it's a good movie. Uh, no, you're not going to get any any hate from me on Armageddon. I'm a big fan of it. Jake and um, I, uh, we, we recreate the Animal Cracker scene every time we see each other. Yeah, I'm Liv Tyler. Carrie <laughs> <laughs> uh, Fukunaga has been hired to take over the Bond franchise. Um, cool, cool. All four. Yeah, we like this. We like this more than Danny Boyle because I don't know if I like it more than Danny Boyle. But well, I because like they wouldn't have let they would have neutered they would have neutered Danny Boyle. Like you can't you can't hire Danny Boyle in the same way like the the uh, the Lord Miller thing with Solo. Like you can't hire someone that's known for a certain style and then say okay, but don't do that style. They were never going to let Danny Boyle make a Danny Boyle Bond movie. So you right. might as well at least someone that is uh, hire someone that is uh, moldable but still artistically and um, and technically proficient. And I think. True Detective shows that you can adapt to a lot of styles, but my God, does he know how to, uh, and not to get full-blown McCarthy on you, but that that tracking shot that he does in season one of True Detective, if that doesn't show you that he has what it takes to pull off a Bond movie, I don't know what does. Have either of you guys watched Maniac, or do you plan to watch Maniac? I literally just watched the first episode, and I am digging it. Okay, cool. I mean, I'm excited to see what he does, but we have this whole stable now of projects that will always be what almost was or could have been, right? Like, and it's, and he, we even have Kerry Fukunaga's It because he left that, you know, yeah. mid pre production. And we are gonna now have Danny Boyle's uh, Bond movie and we're gonna have Lord Miller's solo movie and all these f- movies where like the right director or seemingly the right director uh, doesn't get to deliver on the promise of their, of their uh, screenplay. So, my question is though, with, with someone like Danny Boyle, um, same thing with Lord and Miller over Solo. When you hire someone like that, how do you not know what you're getting into? Yeah, Dan- I don't know. Danny Boyle, before he signs whatever paperwork he does to confirm his directing duties as as Bond 25, I, I would imagine there's conversations happening about, okay, so this guy did Train Spotting, Slumdog Millionaire. Uh, you know, this is a very stylistic, different type of filmmaker. Uh, is this what we want? They clearly made a decision based on that and said yes. yes. But Jake's Jake's one hundred percent right. I mean, like, like essentially, the version of Bond we would have seen with Boyle would not have been a Boyle movie, in my opinion. I think this is all 
being filtered through the Broccoli's family and 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 the standards of what Bond would be, even though Sam Mendez's Skyfall was so far different, almost like a Nolan movie than yeah. other Bond films, which is interesting to me because that one really went a different route than other Bond movies. So- I think it comes down to like when you, when they're they're talking to someone like Danny Boyle or someone like Lord and Miller, it's almost a game of chicken in the terms of who's going to blink first. I feel like the executives are coming at it from the perspective of we have got this IP that is so valuable, whether it be Star Wars or Bond or whatever the case may be, that any director would be chomping at the bits to direct one of these. And you got another director coming in going, okay, but I have a style that that's what I'm known for. And if you want my name, my style comes with my name. And it's just these two going out against each other, trying to see who's going to blink first. And unfortunately, it feels like the director never blinks because the director knows he's always going to be able to get work one way or the other. And the people that own the rights, the, 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 the number counters, or the, the people, you know, even someone like Kathy Kennedy with Star Wars isn't willing to mold, mess with that, 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 well, that ball at all. And also with, with a franchise like Bond, which is also like a franchise like Star Wars, it, you can't take a risk. Like it has to produce. It has to be profitable because if you have a $100 million earner in that franchise, um, it's it, it just takes so much value out of that that property. Well, when the, when they announced Kerry Fukunaga as the director, the first thing that hit me was the tracking shot in yeah. in True Detective. I mean, season one of True Detective is some of the greatest television I've ever seen. Uh, but that tracking shot alone uh, is the reason why I'm excited about him uh, for sure. I mean, I think it's a, uh, some of the most incredible storytelling from a shot that I've ever seen. Uh, the question is, will the Will the Bond uh, uh, higher-ups allow him to do something like that in a Bond movie? You know what the best part? The script Um, also has to be good, too. Like, Sam Mendes, yeah, yeah, he made Skyfall, but he also made... um, Spectre. Spectre. I was going to say, what's the other one? And and it wasn't as good. I think, you know, you talked about going, like, super far off. As much as that was Mendes, that was also the script. The script started so far off base from what a normal... I who mean, did who, who did the so second bad. one after Casino Royale? Who, who Mark that, Forster? Oh, oh, Mark Forster, the Mark guy that did Christopher Robin. That I, didn't such a bad movie. I didn't mind Quantum oh. of Solace. I didn't mind Quantum of Solace. I honestly, I prefer Quantum of Solace over Spectre. Ooh, uh, they're both bad. Maybe they're both bad. Yeah, they're equally bad. Um, let me tell you one quick thing about the True Detective tracking shot. I didn't watch. I don't have HBO, so I didn't watch True Detective when it was big. Um, and then I watched it on a plane uh, to Paris. I watched half of it on the way there and half of it on the way back. And just didn't remember that there was this tracking shot at all. Like, I, I guess it was a huge thing when it happened. And yeah. so I get to that sequence and I'm watching it and I'm so riveted by what's happening in the sequence. And then halfway through, I'm like, I think this is one shot. Like, <laughs> and it just kept going and going. And I was like, That's, this is the most amazing want, thing. Though? Isn't that what you want to like totally and realize, oh my God, this is all one. I love yes, that. Those 100%. Are like, those are my favorite moments in a movie theater. Like my wife will look at me and go, Kevin, this is, this is not broken yet like the yeah, shot yeah, yeah. it's funny i was uh when i sat down with matthew mcconaughey recently for white boy rick um i they they have you slate but sometimes they have you slate your name right in the middle of a discussion you're having with the actors like you know when you sit down in a room for a junket like you it, it you want it to be as natural as possible when you sit across from somebody but right in the middle and there's of nothing a, more natural than stopping a conversation and having look at your in the camera and say your yeah. name and what city you're from. Yeah. We're like in the <laughs> middle of a deep conversation. Uh, it was something about like Redskins because he's a big Redskins fan. And right. and then the person was like Slate. And then I randomly real fast said, if 
by the way, tracking shot, true detective, episode four, six minute tracking shot. Brilliant. Genius. Okay, cool. White boy Rick, let's go. That was it was literally that fast. Uh it was, it was super quick, but I I I saw his face. He was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> he was like, because he Poor knew. Kevin has so many things he'd want to talk to Matthew McConaughey about if you factor in interstellar, true detective, well, the Redskins. Jake so was standing right you. there. Jake was standing right there in the hallway, and we had already discussed this on our TIFF show, but I purposely stood up and made sure I grabbed McConaughey and asked him about Interstellar before I walked in that room because I knew that it wasn't going to be possible to break it down. I love in that it. Room. To be fair, anything was better than talking about White Boy Rick. In the next few days, we are um, all going on trips, but different trips. Um, let's briefly tease them and tell people who we're going to get to interview and the movies we're going to get to see, and then we will talk about them on next week's show. You guys are going where? We're going on a romantic trip. Kevin and I are going to fly into the most romantic city in the world, Orlando, Florida. Yep. Woo! And then uh, we're going to, uh, we've got our, our government credentials. We've been approved by the government uh, to go to NASA and interview uh, Ryan Gosling and Claire Foy and uh, one of the, uh, one of the uh, patron saints of Real Blend, Mr. Damien Chazelle. My first interview, I think this is Kevin's, Kevin's interviewed him multiple times, I think, but my first interview with Damien Chazelle, who I'm uh, very excited about. Is he really a patron saint anymore, though? You That's say that. You're the. Let's be well, okay, Mr. First Man Hater. Let me see the movie first, and I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah, Sean is like Sean. It's it's Sean's worst movie of the year, which is so crazy to me. Um, it's I'm true. very blown away. Kevin, by Kevin that. is representing the internet right now. No, I, I'm I'm kidding. By the way, I'm totally kidding. Yeah, I, I love the film. Uh, I'm obsessed with it. It's my top three. Sean liked it, didn't love it, so we're just giving him a hard time saying he hated it. Yeah, we're going to NASA. Um, which, by the way, uh, I'm excited about because we're actually going to be seeing the film at the, at NASA on their IMAX screen, which is a true IMAX awesome. screen. So that's, that's going to open up. And we're during... interviewing the children of Neil Armstrong. Yeah, it's going to be crazy. And yeah. I'm just excited to see the uh, moon landing in full IMAX this time or the, or the walk itself, which I'm looking forward to. But the uh, yeah, it's going to be crazy. My, my grandfather worked um, at NASA. Uh, in that, the one in, that, in, in uh, Cape Canaveral? In, in, yeah, exactly, that exact area. That's cool. So um uh, he uh i think he was a contractor uh, my dad knows all the details but I, my, he passed away when i was 10 so i didn't i never really got a lot of stories from him out of it but my dad probably knows you should talk to your dad and get like some that way you can maybe like look at places that he would have been i think that's really yeah because cool. I, I, I know he he ended up passing away in coco beach which is where isn't that where we're going right coco beach is where yeah, we're actually so. going to be yeah. ending up so yeah well, next week get, we will finally dark, be able to settle uh the first man debate because uh we've kevin and i staked our claims and uh we'll see where jake falls in the tiber i'm dying i'm dying i like i need you to see it i need you to see it so badly so you can text me and let me know where you i are. even took friday off so i wouldn't have to like run from work to fly to florida and like be tired at the screening like i'm gonna like sleep in for right. a hot second and like enjoy yeah. it and yeah you know, make sure you're well rested it's a little slow moving it's not <laughs> slow moving at all. Did you see that dig? It is. It is I wanted. And the best part is that that was such a subtle dig, too. Like, it was just going really quick. Like, and moving on. I've been taking an hour more of that movie, man. I, I, I don't understand where, where you're coming from with that. Here's the thing. My, my, my hope is that I'm sitting next to Jake and that he turns to me and says, oh, my God, that was absolutely yeah. incredible. I am a little concerned. Oh, you think about I'm sitting next to you? Yeah, you, don't sit near each other because he'll influence you. No, that's, I won't say a word. Fair. I'm, I'm not, insulted that you think I can be influenced. Yeah. How dare you, sir? <laughs> I'm not, You're the Herbie fully loaded of this conversation. <laughs> the thing that well, worries me the most, though, well, is sir. that Jake and you <laughs> don't like Interstellar. 
Right. So, I, what are you talking about? It was on my top ten list. <laughs> no, I know you do. Sean hates Interstellar. Jake Speaking of Interstellar, movies that will make our top ten list. While you guys are in Florida, I get to go to L.A. to watch Venom and interview the cast of Venom uh, and the director, and that includes Tom Hardy and Riz Ahmed. So, um, I will text you guys when I'm out of that. You know, what's so funny. I was, we, know. I was just, we were talking before we started rolling today, and and the, like the the weeks leading up, we kind of thought there was going to be a conflict between doing Venom interviews and then doing First Man interviews. And the whole time, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to do Venom. I'm doing First Man. I choose to do First Man because it's going to be too <laughs> tough to do on two different coasts. And then as we were talking about it today, I, I paused for a moment and, and went, "Wait, I wasn't even invited to Venom. No. Like, they didn't, at no point did they ever like. I didn't even have the chance to turn it down. So, <laughs> so props well, to you, Sony. I think Jake Jake was actually Jake and I were texting a lot because we had heard that Venom was going to be. I guess was it Thursday, Friday, or Jake? Is that what we had heard about? And then we had to see First Man in Florida on Friday night, so there was there were, it wasn't going to be possible for us to get from L.A. to Florida to see First Man in IMAX. So right. the, I guess the worry was that you know if, if we went to L.A., we might we might be a little Tom tardy to First Man. <laughs> You guys get it? Because last name is Hardy. <laughs> and Hardy means you're late. So um, this week at the box office top yeah. 10, the movie Life Itself. Yeah. I quit, guys. The movie, Sean, I quit. The Gabe. movie Life Itself. Jake, Jake I don't um, think you Gabe, get it. Gabe, Gabe, I quit. It tanked. It, like, it, it didn't even earn Jake, like, you get it? $800 per theater. I hate the show. So I want people to know that... Like life itself is not as bad as people think that it is. It's like it's good, right? I so you guys saw it before I did, and yeah. we also you saw it in Toronto, and the right when, of the, Toronto when the hatred was starting to come out were horrible, like over yeah. the top horrible. And then I went and watched, and I was like, "This is actually really good." Like not really good. It's good. It's good. I liked it. I thought it was very emotional. I thought it was really well put together. It had a ton of surprises. It's not told in a traditional sense. Um, yeah. Did you understand my connection to like? In, in, in a certain type of way, like a 500 Days of Summer. Yes, I see that. I definitely do see that. I just don't understand why the, the reviews were so bad and everyone was really just uh, Pan Fogelman, the movie. I, I just don't really understand what happened with the reviews. Why do you hate us? <laughs> <laughs> I, I know I keep saying that I quit, but can I fire someone? Do I have that, <laughs> Jake, do I have that power? Jake, when you pan a movie, it's bad <laughs> reviews, and his name is oh, Dan Fogelman. I get it. Dan Fogelman. So I said Pan Fogelman. Pan Fogelman. Um, this movie deserves more credit. And in fact, Kalina, whose review we read at the top of the show, uh, said she went to go see it on her own and because she didn't want to believe all the negativity and thought it was great. And I think more people should give this yeah. film a shot. I was I didn't it even too. crack the top 10. And Oscar Isaac, it's so weird that like in any given year, there's a performance that's singled out. And we're told like front runner, right? Like this person is a front runner and absolutely deserves to be in the conversation. And then like other years, there's really great performances and the people don't, they never crack any conversation. Oscar Isaac gives an amazing performance Fantastic. in this movie. And He's like, so th good. but that movie is just not, it's getting completely overlooked and no one will ever mention him in any sort of best actor category, but he deserves to be in the conversation. He gives an amazing performance because he has to sell this. There's a secret and I'm not going to say what it is. Um, but like he's, he's playing one thing and you're watching it as if he's this type of person. Um, and then you learn what it is and it's something totally different and it changes what his performance is. And yet he, he sells 
both sides of it. It's really hard to talk about. I agree. It, it is. I can't it's say what it is. Yeah. He's really good in it. And there's uh, a great moment or a scene when he's in like his, his psychologist's office. Is that Annette Benning who plays a psychologist? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, and that scene was unbelievable. It was it, it, just the breakdown through what's going on in the life. And I, I thought it was very powerful, very interesting. I wouldn't call it like great by any means, but right. the fact that it made what, what under $3 million, I think this weekend yeah. In oh, over twenty six hundred theaters, bombed. Yeah, it bombed. Like bombed hard, and it yeah. doesn't deserve that. I think more people need to check it out. I say the same thing with another film I went into with low expectations, which is the movie that opened last week was House with a Clock in Its Walls. Did you, either of you see that, Kevin? You saw it. Kevin right? saw it. I didn't see it. I saw it. I actually liked the House with the Clock in Its Walls. I feel like I feel like I saw a lot of people like that movie. It it's was fun. a lot of fun. Yeah, it's yeah. super fun. Jack like, Black like and Kate Blanchett. The two of your really... reactions made me want to see it. I had no mm-hmm. interest in I thought it was a stupid title, and I had no interest in another Jack Black family movie, but you guys made me want to see it. And to your credit, I have not yet, but I will. <laughs> One thing about that movie that I thought was interesting was that it's PG, and it still felt like an R-rated Eli Roth movie. It was like it was still pretty twisted uh, in the sense that it was – and I mean that in the best way possible. It wasn't like gruesome or violent or, or, or sexual in any, in any way, but I mean that, that his tone and his voice was still – seeping through the screen in regards to like the puppeteering uh, elements of it, the practical effects. It's actually pretty haunted and freaky at times. Um, 100%. I was, I was, I thought I was impressed. I didn't love it, but I was impressed with it. We came out of it and Michelle said there was mentions to like demons, like from hell and like possession and all this stuff. She was like, this is supposed to be a family movie. And I'm like, yeah, kind of, but the effects were good. I think people lumped it into the goosebumps. Like, Oh, it's Jack black and he's being wacky in a supernatural thing. And it wasn't that at all. And he yeah. and Kate Blanchett, I think really sell it. So I was just happy that like, I was it, amazed it, that it opened so well. It did great. It, yeah. It's really still, well. it, yeah. $26 million. And it still kept like a, um, pretty good horror tone, which is why I was interested that like Eli Roth changed his name to Eli Goth at the end. I was, I was very impressed by that. So Kevin, yeah. you just, we need an intervention now at this point. <laughs> <laughs> <This point. laughs> By the way, for people listening that aren't watching, I'm only doing this. I'm only doing this to get a reaction out of Jake because Jake's face when I make these terrible name jokes is really funny. So if you're watching the video of this, it'll make more sense. Audio, I might think I'm an idiot, but (laughs) no video, video, I do too. If it makes you feel better. Uh, Tom Tardy was funny. Give me that. Come on. It was, it was, yeah, it was, it was there. Okay. It was Look, a joke. You, you've 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 pushed Sean to drinking. <laughs> <laughs> Next week we will get to review uh we'll review Ven- you guys will have seen Venom before we Do you have a screening of it next week? Uh I got to check my schedule. It depends on when we're we'll, recording. We'll talk And again. we will get to talk about A Star is Born also. Finally, yeah. we'll get to be able to talk about uh <laughs> The power that is. Well, that was the worst gaga I've ever heard. You know what? You're the worst gaga I've ever. Heard. How do you even know that was gaga? I was just singing. This week's game. So, oh, well, we didn't mention at the top of the show a, a story that we had to cut because we went long on something else is that Eddie Murphy is going to do a remake of Grumpy Old Men. Yeah. And he may do it with Samuel L. Jackson. This yeah. is a real thing. Did you guys hear this story? I'm okay with that. I think that sounds You're- great. I love the Grumpy Old Men movies. I think the two of them could be a lot of fun to see on screen together. I miss seeing Eddie Murphy on screen together. I think the two of them going at each other's throats for two hours. I'm yeah. all for. What about an R-rated Grumpy Old Men? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Right? You wouldn't want to water that down in no. any way, shape, or form. Well, that would be the oh, only way that I think you could sell it, right? Because that—that's isn't that what uh, Ryan Reynolds is doing with the Home Alone? He's doing Stoned yeah. Alone or stoned something alone. like that. 
And that's, wow. that's not a bad pun joke. It's an actual thing. It's an R-rated uh, Home Alone movie that he's producing. I think if you do anything with Eddie Murphy and Sam Jackson, you have to go R-rated. You have to. Before right? we get into Murphy blends, this week's game is Murphy blend. Hashtag Murphy blend. Um, what is this stoned alone thing? I don't understand. Is it is the kid going to be stoned? Uh, no, it's it's him. It, I, from what I understand, it's an adult that's going to be stoned. He like gets right. home and he is like he gets crazy high, and all of a sudden <laughs> these robbers break into his house, and he has to start trying to thwart them off. And it's Ryan while, Reynolds. I don't think I, he's I, in I, it. He's producing it. Well, they they, oh. have, they haven't said who's starring, but I, to me, that's such a him role. That I would yeah. be amazed that he would be creatively involved and then not want to star in it. I just don't know how he would film it because he has to do X Force. He's, he's, I think he's doing that Pikachu movie. Uh, I, yeah, he has a lot of things coming up, but I, I don't think he's in Stone Alone. I think he's working on the script, and then or isn't he? Isn't he working on the script, Sean? Is that what? What, what is he doing? For I don't know. I, I, I've heard of this mentioned, but I don't really know many of the details behind it. But you're right. He's he's super busy. He's got a lot yeah. of things going on. So. Um, we picked Murphy Blend last week primarily just because we wanted to talk about a comedian and get into um, his body of work, and then he ends up having this grumpy old man. So it was like the, it was like fate working in our Fortuitous. favor, which I'm really which I'm really happy about. And I've been told by uh, producer Gabe that so we're picking favorite um, our favorite Eddie Murphy roles. Uh, and Jake, I've been told you get to go first. Hot damn, I'm going first. Um, you know there are lots to choose from, and whenever you announced this last week, I initially was like, "Ooh, I know what it's going to be," and then I sort of pulled it back. I was like, wait, no, I don't know what it's going to be. Um, this was a hard one that I had to, once again, dial down to favorite and not best, but even best would have been difficult. Um, I've got to go with, uh, and I feel like I'm kind of cheating because it's multiple roles, but I have to go Nutty Professor. I yeah. think what he pulled off in that movie, and I'm fairly certain this is going to be Kevin's pick too, and so I don't want to get too much into the the, the, the dinner table conversation, but... <laughs> I honestly think that he deserved an Oscar nomination for that. Like what he pulled off there is astonishing. And he made me feel certain emotions for some characters and he made me feel certain emotions for others. And he did, he did some of it. Yeah. You could argue he did a lot of it under prosthetic, but he did. There was one character, buddy was not in prosthetic and he, he, it was a fully fledged character. All of these characters, whether they had 10 minutes of screen time or the entirety of the screen time, were all fully fleshed out, realized characters. They were all hilarious for completely different reasons that you couldn't get if you if they were if you cast them all by different people. And the fact that he was able to do that as one single solitary actor is to me such an incredible accomplishment that is maybe one of the most overlooked acting accomplishments of the last twenty years. And I just think that it is truly I mean, I laugh every time I see it. I hate the sequel, but I think the first one is truly a hilarious movie. And what he pulls off, specifically at that dinner table scene, is truly a, a, a work of art in the world, not just of comedy, but in the world of acting. It's a work of fart, right, Jake? <laughs> now that's funny. No, that was funny. Right. That was no, I'm back, baby. Really good. I'm You're back. back. You're back. I'm back. This game works. Yeah. I was I like actually it. sitting here, like kind of depressed <laughs> about my jokes, and like Gabe gonna message me later on and say, Kevin, You're you gotta back. stop doing that on our show. <laughs> now back. I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> that was perfect. Nice job. Well played. Sorry. I hadn't really seen that scene since it was in theaters, and then I watched Kevin's interview uh uh with Eddie Murphy, which was at on the red carpet for what? The Mark Twain Award? Yeah, it was the Mark Twain Awards, yeah. Got? 
So what I love about that clip specifically, Kevin, is that Eddie Murphy shows up to the Kennedy Center uh, to, to receive this Lifetime Achievement Award, this career achievement for everything that he's accomplished. He's in the moment thinking like, I've made, I finally made, this is it. I'm being respected as a, as an entertainer and a comedian and a gift to the world. Everything from the time I was a little kid. Uh, has led to this moment and he gets Kevin on the red carpet asking a great question about an amazing scene and he says, did you actually fart while you you were doing that scene? To his credit, he answered it. Loved it! Loved it! Let me clarify that moment for one second. One, uh, the interview was much longer than the clip you saw. I actually talked to him a lot. What's funny about that interview is the only time I ever interviewed Eddie Murphy uh, for people who aren't aware, Mark Twain Prize for American Humor is a award they give out once a year at the Kennedy Center where they honor a comedian. It was, it was uh, one year it was Bill Murray. I actually asked Bill Murray on that carpet if the Cubs win the World Series, will you say what you said at the end of Lost in Translation? Uh, yeah. He said he said nobody would care, uh, which I said no, you're wrong. And then the the uh, so Eddie Murphy was there, and yeah, he walked up, and I don't think I'll have I've never talked to him before. I don't know when I'll ever get him. So I have my Nutty Professor ticket with me from 96, the original Nutty Professor, which, by the way, is my also my pick for favorite Eddie Murphy movie. Um, and so I showed it to him. I asked him how they filmed that dinner table scene. And it's Jake said it perfectly. It's truly an amazing achievement in filmmaking. The, the fact that he sat there and looked at a tennis ball for every other version of himself, except for that kids. So he plays five characters in that scene, but it's not even that scene alone. It's what about like the transitionary moments at the end when he's going from buddy to, to clump. And this that almost like that freak show esque, like effects where he's like going back and forth. His lips. Remember like that. Remember like his, like the, the clumps lip would come out and then it would go. Yep. It was crazy how they did it. Um, and that movie was made in 96 and it still looks amazing. Um, but uh, if you haven't seen it, definitely check it out. But the dinner table scene is brilliant. And I agree with Jake and I were on a text chain today with our friend Chase. And I think he deserves an Academy Award nomination for that. He deserved one. I mean, it's true. And the problem with that movie is that that scene will forever be the farting dinner table scene. And it's going to be lumped into this or clumped into this. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Clumped into this like uh, this this idea of a bathroom style scene where it really is brilliant from a performance standpoint the farting question which came off i don't know if he knew that i wasn't asking it the way i asked it the way i asked it was uh were the farts happening on set meaning was there a machine or some sound effect that cued you when a character farted uh and he took it as were you really farting uh in the scene which i think he was kidding obviously he said i yeah i was I'm a method actor i had a, whole, a very gaseous meal before i did the scene and those are real farts and whatever it was but he was great. And then we actually ended up talking about a lot more things. I mean, he did a stand-up in D.C. years ago called Delirious. We talked about that and what D.C. meant for him as a comedian. And then the crazy part about that carpet, by the way, is Dave Chappelle was walking. And I had never interviewed him before in my life. And I don't think I'll ever get him. I think he's he doesn't do a lot of interviews. He's a hard get. That's a big deal that you got him. Well, I got him because I – the way it works is there's a red carpet and then the the, the – People can walk to the photographer area and then skip the television interviews. Uh, Jake, you've probably seen this on carpets before. Everyone has. Um, Dave Chappelle did the photographers, and then I think he did like one Access Hollywood Entertainment Tonight interview and then beelined for the door. So I 
told my cameraman to turn. We literally just pivoted 90 degrees and stuck my mic out. And really quick, as you can see in the clip, I really fast mentioned that scene in Nutty Professor where he's playing the comedian on stage and he's making fun of, um, who is it? Uh, he's making fun of, uh, he's making fun of somebody. Sure, and then Buddy, of- then Buddy gets up there and like, and then just gives it to him, right? Like Buddy just destroys him on stage with the piano and everything like that. So that was a cool moment. But yeah, Sean makes a great point that the guys there to celebrate his career were discussing farts. and Oh, I loved it. If but you it put is a most great of our interviews moment. in context, they're amazing. Like we're so worried about them in the moment that we never stop to think about what the talent is thinking. Right. Uh, <laughs> right? Do you, guys, we're, do you <laughs> remember the first time us. you saw that scene, though? I was I was uh, 12. Yeah, I was 12 years old. AMC Patrick Henry, Newport News, Virginia, in a mall theater. And I got there and the theater was sold out. I had to sit second row. I sat up there. When that scene hit, I was crying. I was laughing so hard. And I'm 34 years old now, and I still watch that scene with the same mindset. I mean, it is just genius. It really, it really is, if you think about I'm more, it. I'm blown away by the different personalities that he plays in the yeah. family. Unreal. And convincingly. Like it's, yeah, people don't give him enough credit for that. And that goes into a lot of things that you talk about with comedy not getting the attention that it deserves yeah, it's uh, like, during award season. It just bothers me that like that movie will always forever be an immature PG-13 comedy that has fart jokes. And that yeah. that is so problematic to me that the Academy would never look at Nutty Professor and go, oh, we should nominate Eddie Murphy for this. I mean, that comedy's yeah. harder than drama. It really is. I mean, I think a lot of actors will tell you that. Well, and that's why he went out of his way into Dreamgirls, and he was like, "I'm finally going to get the recognition I deserve." And then I think when he didn't win, wasn't he sitting like in the first or second row? And yeah, then he got he, up and left. He that left. was the first award of the night, and then it he was. lost to Alan uh, Alan Arkin. Alan for, Arkin. But a lot of people blame his losing of the Dreamgirls Oscar to uh, the release of Norbit around Norbit. the time that Oscar voters voted, and that because he was the front runner going in, and then Norbit came out, and apparently it swayed enough people to make them go, "Well, we can't." give an Oscar to a guy that would make something like this, which a lot of people say is the reason that Alan Arkin ended up winning for Little Miss Sunshine. Yeah. Which is crazy, by the way, when that happened, and Jake tells a story that I've heard before about the Norbit thing maybe derailing uh, the Oscar win for him. I was like, there's no way, right? And then this past year with Disaster Artist, right? With uh, James Franco, and a completely different scenario, clearly. But look at how fast that got derailed. Like sure. that movie was a front runner to be nominated somehow in some way, shape or form at the Academy Award. The whole bit being that the room was going to lead to an Oscar nomination. Right. 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 And that thing got derailed instantaneously. So, again, not the same front, not the same idea of derailment. But that just shows you how quickly things can change in the Oscar race, depending on something happening. Um, you, I want you guys to guess mine because you both went nutty professor. I know yours for sure. Is it? The, what what throws me off is that a lot of people gave out a lot of big movies on Twitter today when they responded to us, and you replied saying that none of them were yours. So I'm trying to think right. of what people said and sort of cancel that from the list. Ooh, it's it's like a game time. within the game. Yeah. I like it. Uh, I, I'm just going to just because I don't remember anyone saying, I don't know. Is it is it Coming to America? No, he no. Went with, it's Norbit. You went with Norbit, right? Coming to America is his best film. That's it's what I would fun- have argued with That's his funniest film. Yeah. You went with Trading Places, didn't you? I went with 48 Hours. Oh, which, interesting. Which when I picked it, um, that, was always, that was always my pick. I love him in 48 Hours, and I love the type of movie that 48 Hours is. And they don't make those type of movies anymore, which are 
edgier action films with real comedy in them. Uh, and after 48 Hours, and probably due to Beverly Hills Cop, uh, they became more a comedian who happens to be in an action movie. And But if you go back a couple of years, there are movies like Running Scared that Billy Crystal did with Gregory Hines. Um, the first Bad Boys, for this reason, uh, is an edgier action cop movie that happens to have comedians in it. Uh, some of the early Bruce Willis movies, not even just Die Hard, but I'm thinking like things like Last Boy Scout and stuff like that. They're they're funny movies that have really good chemistry. And Eddie Murphy in that movie, and and what surprised me when I went back to go sort of look back through and see where Forty Eight Hours fell on his uh, career path is that it's his first movie. And I didn't, I didn't even realize that I kind of really? just figured he was, wow. he was a thing already when that was his movie, but he was doing Saturday night live, I think at the same time and, you know, running out and then shooting this movie with Walter Hill, who's an incredible filmmaker. And then of course, Nick Nolte, but it's a mean movie. Like it's an R rated movie and it allows Eddie Murphy to just be his Eddie Murphy self. The, the kind that everyone's always like, how come Eddie Murphy can't go back to being funny in movies? He is rippingly funny in 48 hours. It's a great concept. It's a great, great concept of a cop needs a convict's help and he can only t- and he can take him out of prison for 48 hours. So the entire time he doesn't trust this guy because he thinks he's going to run. Uh, so he has to sort of couch that um, with solving the mystery. And so it's just a really, really good premise. Uh, the, it's actually a movie scene, I'm amazed they haven't remade yet. Uh, yeah, it feels like something that they want to do. And then they yeah. did the sequel to it, and the sequel was just Wasn't it bad. another 48 hours? Yeah, and it was such a cash grab. It was really lazy. But you guys talk about the dinner scene in Nutty Professor. To me, in 48 hours, the scene that announced Eddie Murphy as this presence was when he goes into the country western bar when nick nolte lets him use his badge and i rewatched it again today and it has a lot of things i can't say (laughs) uh, on this podcast but it just showed like the ferociousness of like when you just turn this guy loose and he's young and he's just hungry like comedians when they're young and hungry are the best they're the best because they just don't care and they just want to do what they think is funny and and eddie murphy really did if we're talking about his career he got fat and happy right like later on in life he just started taking lazy projects and i mean collectively his best work was in the 80s yeah i'd say so you know like and there's a reason that i mean don't people often say like i miss like 80s eddie murphy like that is you know that everything that came i mean we're like we were saying if we were to do best i would pick coming to america yeah, and Which trading is, places in there. and Yeah. But it's interesting. It, it does speak to our age, though. I mean, like, my Eddie Murphy experience was the 90s. Um, so sure. my my introduction to him but was... But do you think that that's his best work? Do you think the 90s is his best work collectively? I don't think the 90s is his best work, but I do think that Nutty Professor is his best film. I really it's, do. It's, yeah. I really do. I, I, I Now, wait. Let me clarify. His best performance. So uh, I, I, you know, wouldn't necessarily say that Nutty Professor is better than Coming to America or 48 Hours, but I do think... Overall, from a performance standpoint, that's his best performance. I mean, I mean, also, too, I think the reason I give a little bit more of an edge when I pick my favorite to Nutty Professor is that, like, it's all him. Like, you know, he yeah. has co-stars, but that movie is all him. Coming to America, I mean, he's got a really great group of co-stars so that good. elevate that. I mean, Arsenio Hall is amazing in that. James Earl Jones is amazing in that. Like, he's got a really a great group that really take that movie to the next level. And you know what annoys me about Beverly Hills Cop, which a lot of people mention. I want to mention that T.C. Anderson says Beverly Hills Cop. In Beverly Hills Cop, that's when Eddie Murphy started being the guy who knows that he's funny, right? Yeah, he, that's, a, that's a he would interesting point. turn and do that laugh. <laughs> like, yeah. And it was like, yeah. all right, we know you're well, really he funny. Kinda, or like kind of start playing like 
into being Eddie Murphy. Right. Yeah. And like, yeah, we know you're really funny and now you know you're really funny and you're letting the audience come along with, oh, aren't I really funny? But that's still Beverly Hills Cop still has probably one of the funniest Eddie Murphy lines when he makes fun of that black police officer. And I'm not going to let you put the banana in the tailpipe. And he's like, come on, brother, you got to put a little more bass into it. <laughs> so I like Beverly that was Hills an Cop amazing. That was an that was as good of a of an Eddie Murphy as my Lady Gaga. <laughs> Yeah, thank you. Ted Meyer says Bowfinger, another totally underrated. Bowfinger is great. Frank Oz performance. Ben, Mul- our, our buddy, our buddy Ben Mulroney uh, tweeted me said Bowfinger. I, I, yeah. I, I actually, it's a great movie. I actually forgot about Bowfinger. I was that was the that, was scene that, in Bowfinger when uh, when he's got to cross the, the freeway. Yeah, Steve Martin convinces him that they're all stunt drivers, but we as an audience know that they're not. But he's still scared of it. It's fantastic. I saw it in really theaters, funny. but I don't remember it. Uh, it's been so long since I've seen Bowfinger. I couldn't even tell you what the movie's about. Great movie. I think was it's on one? Netflix because I think I watched it. Was that the one where he was like an actor w- within the movie? Was that was that? Well, one yeah. Well, so he's an actor who Steve Martin convinces the entire crew that they've gotten for their big movie, but they haven't. Right. They start filming the movie around him without him knowing it, and then they realize that he actually has a nerdier twin brother. So they start putting this super nerdy version of this really cool actor into the, it. Just gets so crazy, but not beyond the realm of plausibility. There's an aspect of where you kind of go like this could kind of, and it also kind of digs into Scientology a little bit. It, it, there's like, there's sort of a fake Scientology in the movie that it makes fun of before it was cool to make fun of Scientology. It's, it's a really go back and rewatch it. it I, it's actually, I'd argue better now than it was whenever it came out. I do want to see it again. Uh, and and I, I don't know why I keep getting these texts from Gabe. He wants to do another hour on Better Call Saul. So you guys, let's just go ahead and get that going real fast because right. he really, really wants us to do that. Well, he better call three other hosts. Oh, did he just attempt the see now? See, here's the thing. You guys tell me mine are bad. That was actually Sean. bad. Like my, my, mine, mine has work that goes Sean. into it. Like there's a lot. There's, Honey. There's, there's a process. <laughs> what a process. was that, man? <laughs> like, so baby, next week's, come on, man. Ne- next week's episode of The Blend Game is going to kick off a theme that actually Jake started uh, in the before the show, uh, which is that it's October and it's horror. Uh, you know, but we didn't, we, we didn't really... Um, land on on how we were going to solidify the thing gabe's giving me the thumbs up but i don't know what you're giving me the thumbs up for because we had multiple (laughs) options oh he's saying for next week reach out on twitter using hashtag horror blend but didn't we want like a type of horror blend didn't that what we said no we don't want to we're doing a monster thing horror i thought we were doing a monster thing too damn it gabe Gabe says yes, we can do Monster Blend. Okay, so hashtag, we're going to do different horror things leading up through the the course of of October. Like, at one point, I want to do, like, an 80s 80s horror, you know, specifically. And Gabe's like, well, people won't know what 80s horror is. But, you know, Gabe's a naysayer, is what I say. I think he's a negative Nelly who wants to torpedo the show. And I'm not going to let that happen. Not on my watch, Gabe. Gabe. Not on my watch. So, next week, we're doing (laughs) hashtag Monster Blend. And we're going to talk about our favorite horror movie monsters and we're going to yes, do a horror theme exactly. all throughout october exactly. so let us know your pick i love horror via... and i love the month of october and i love scare watching scary so wait so, it, october it's, and so it's the best horror movie of all time our favorite no, horror movie best no the best horror Mon- movie monster monster we're doing a monster so yeah, should like, we do horror monster blend or monster blend well monster blend i think monster blend i think okay. monster blend all right yeah. deal okay it was like the monster, monster blend, blend. Deal. It was and a Gabe, blend. 
Gabe also, because he's full of, he's full of so many orders, says I have to p- promote the email. So if you want to let us know your pick via email because you are listening to this podcast on the regular, but you're not on Twitter, first off, kudos, because Twitter is a horrible place. Um, but if you happen to be on social media, go to at RealBlend. If you're not, you can send us your pick via email using the address RealBlend at CinemaBlend.com. That is R-E-E-L. B-L-E-N-D at cinemablend.com. If you need to know that it's R-E-E-L by this point in episode number 39, you're just not paying enough attention. I do like that the show is coming to an end, but that uh, Sean keeps going and you could say that he's uh, better call call stalling. Better call stall. (laughs) (laughs) He's stalled. (laughs) You can listen to uh, Jakey is at Jstakes. Kevin is at horrible puns that derail the show <laughs> dot com and i'm at sean underscore o'connell drop us a review on itunes and uh if you leave us a review even if it's one that talks about the fact that we're too good of friends uh we will read it we'll read it on the show so thank you very much for listening but we'll read it with snark thank you for watching on the facebook show <laughs> yes with tony with to- snark, tony snark. Oh, oh, yes! <laughs> we both went on that one Tony Stone. We'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks Dunkirk. for listening. Solo! Dunkirk. <laughs> Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.